today is a bonus episode of Anxious Laughter. Um, in the episodes being recorded at the moment, and frankly, with so much time on my hands, I'm doing quite a lot of them. I've been avoiding mentioning it. It's been quite tough because obviously everybody's lives are impacted by what's going on at the moment. And I've made casual reference to the lockdown in the UK and in other places. But I think it's also true that the the lockdown and indeed the coronavirus itself is having an impact on our mental health. It's having impact on access to mental health services for people. It's also having an enormous impact on how we work and how we work is one of the themes I've talked about in quite a few episodes recently. And so today I've got Richard Jackson on the line um, and we're just going to have a chat about what's different, how working from home has been for us and how that has impacted the mental health of us and people we know. Um, This episode won't be necessary to the narrative of the others i know some people are avoiding listening to stuff talking about the virus because they want to avoid it triggering or whatever that's fine if you choose not to listen to this episode i won't be offended so rich how is working at home going for you yeah not not too bad at all to be honest um i've been uh, I've, I've done quite a lot of remote working throughout my career so some some roles that have been almost totally remote some that have had a little bit of, of homeworking allowances and uh, but in in what, what I do now it's um it's actually been a little bit of a, a change up so I've not done too much too much working from home uh, for the last um six months or so so for those listening who obviously don't know you what is it that you do yeah so I'm a I'm a sales professional so I work for a technology company called Godel so we provide software development teams and my job is basically to let people know what we do and raise awareness about it so are people picking up the phone at the moment if you're trying to call them yes we we found that people sort of fall into two categories they're either extremely busy and just really don't have time to to speak at all um or they actually have a little bit more free time to explore alternatives. And that's really where we, we tend to get involved. So I'd say on, on balance, we probably actually have more more time to, to speak to people rather than less. Okay. I mean, I, I think I probably fall into the busy category, to be honest. Well, not this mm-hmm. week. Time of recording, I've got a week off work. And we'll talk about that in a bit. I mean, probably a lot of people are thinking, why have I taken a week off when there's nothing to do? But we'll get to that in a bit. For me, I've been busier. And again, I've done the working from home thing for a few years now. I work from home one day a week normally. Mm -hmm. So the tech side of it has kind of been fine. We're set up for video calls. We're set up to do team meetings remotely. We're set up for those kind of things. But there's something for me which is different. And what's different is that I manage a software team. And it's a team that's been built around the idea of working in the office. So both the people that we've employed in the team and a lot of our processes are optimized for working together. You know, you have a lot of people talking on LinkedIn to say, oh, working from home's easy, I've done it for years. And I think to myself, yes, but that's what you've chosen to do. So that's your setup. And actually, if somebody said to me, build an entirely remote software team, I could do it. 
but it would look different. It would have different people in. It would have slightly different processes. The difference for me has been this is taking a team that wasn't built to function this way and asking it to function this way pretty much overnight. We knew it was coming because, you know, you look around the world, it's obvious that this remote working thing was coming. Our other offices actually went to remote working slightly before London, not enormously, but just we have offices in Singapore and New York and they brought in lockdown restrictions slightly before the UK and we, but we actually went to working from home before the government mandated it. Yeah, same our end, yeah. A lot of tech companies, I think, just presumed it would be fine and thought, right, for everybody's safety and, frankly, sanity, let's just go to working from home. But much as we have a business continuity plan, I'm sure you have a business continuity plan, we know what to do. We've got the tech set up. Are you feeling like me that you're really missing being in the office with people for eight hours a day? Yeah, 100%. 100%. My view is a, a, a balance is, is probably the optimum, really, because I've always found that where I'm able to work in isolation for small periods to do focused activity, that, that can be much better for you than open plan offices, for sure. I'm sure you've found the same thing yourself. But having said that, you need to have some time where you're collaborating with people, where you get that human interaction. That's the side of it I, I've missed and we try and replicate it with things like video calls, virtual coffees, things like that. But um, there's not really any any replacement for, for that genuine face-to-face interaction, I don't think. For me, the toughest part has been, been exactly that, that I'm used to going into the office each day. I'm used to talking to the person who makes my coffee in the coffee shop. And I go to the same place for lunch most days and have a chat with the woman who works the till in the shop where I buy the salad and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And for me, there's a certain irony because I suffered with social anxiety. That's not not a surprise to anyone. And so I don't see that many people. I don't I'm not missing the social aspect because I don't go to the pub with friends anyway. So I'm not missing the socializing with people bit, but I am missing the contact with people bit. I think one of the things that has become obvious to me in exploring this a bit is that although I am quite socially anxious, I'm not a traditional introvert. So I'm not somebody who can survive on their own. I do actually need other people to talk to, to to bounce ideas off and just kind of derive my energy from being around other people. And my usual source of that has been in the office. Yeah. And not having that, you're right, you can do video calls, but it's not the same as bumping into somebody in the kitchen. It's not the same as going to the same lunch place as somebody and just saying, oh, should we sit and eat here? It's a nice day. Let's sit out on this bench and have a chat or whatever. Yeah. And it's that with with technology as well. It does support you able to do ad hoc stuff now pretty well. You know, WhatsApp is pretty good for being able to jump onto a video call. Most of the tools that we'll all use day to day are pretty good for it. But there still has to be that I send you a message and say, do you want to do a video call now? And you have to say either yes or no, and then we agree to do it. Uh, that's very different to crossing someone in the in the hall and just saying, oh, I've not caught up with you for a while. Those, those things. And it's it's a lot more, I don't know, a lot more human, isn't it? It is. Have you had anything that has, that has actually gone wrong from a business point of view from working from home? Or has that all been fine? Has business kind of carried on? Well, well, no, I mean, what, what we do is provide 
remote delivery teams anyway. That's our that's our kind of mantra. So whether those those individuals are co-located or they're they're actually sat in the, the same office is not a huge a huge difference. Our, our delivery teams are in Belarus anyway, which is one of the few countries that hasn't hasn't placed uh, lockdown sort of strategies already there. Um, so they, we've actually started to introduce that, not not because we need to, but because we think it's the right the right call. But from our from our perspective of doing what we do, it's been fine. Um, but we have had clients who have obviously been impacted quite quite severely for it. We have some. We work with companies across a big range of sectors, but particularly in in travel and retail, as you can imagine, they've been impacted pretty severely. So we just have to be as flexible as we can with those guys. You know, there have been the small things like somebody going, oh, that thing that I use every day, that, that pen or that special mouse or that thing. I forgot to bring that home from the office with me because we did literally have a day's notice. Within reason, we're saying to people, oh, just buy another one on Amazon and expense it. You know, if you mm-hmm. need something to make your home working environment a little bit better. As a manager, I'm not a controlling manager at all. Yeah. But I, I am still accountable for what happens within the team. So I do still need to know what's happening within the team. Generally, what's going on with customers, how are projects going, how are rollouts of releases going, that kind of thing. Normally in the office, I'd have a temperature read on that because I sit with the team. So I just kind of go, oh, people are looking happy. People are looking stressed. I you know, overhear people talking. It's much more conscious now that I have to say to somebody, how is that upgrade going? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, am I now bothering them? Am I, yeah. does it feel to them like I'm micromanaging them? Because normally I wouldn't have to ask. I just know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm guessing down though, in, in your role, you can assess people's productivity quite, quite easily. Anyway, you've got kind of objective measures for that already in place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we still have things like sprint goals, so we still know, are we hitting sprint goals? And to be honest, what's astounded me, I say astounded me, it shouldn't because I know the team are brilliant, but we haven't really slowed down. Right. Not a little bit. I think that's inevitable. You know, anybody who says you can enact your business continuity plan or go 100% remote and productivity will continue at 100%, it won't. You can strive for it, but it won't. Um, it, but it's been continuing enough that we are staying on top of stuff. We're still delivering on the roadmap. We're still rolling out releases. We're still upgrading customers. We're do, still doing all that good stuff. Yeah. Pretty much the timelines that we thought we would. Right. We actually found that one of the things that, um, you know, it, it's a very simple example, but we obviously customers log into the systems we provide for them. And they do that from the office and the secure systems because they've got financial information in. So quite a lot of them have IP whitelisting. And suddenly everybody's at home on internet connections that might well change their IP address. Yeah, right. And so actually we, we, we came across things like that where the customers were saying, we need another solution. You know, we need something other than IP whitelisting because suddenly everybody's now at home and we can't whitelist all their IP addresses. We can't whitelist the entire IP range of BT internet, for instance. So we had stuff like that, but we were able to respond to it because we kind of thought, right, if this happens, we know what, what we do. The bigger impact for me rather than the tech has been on my own 
mental health is overplaying it again, but my own mood towards towards work and towards stuff in general, it's been... I mean, I've taken a week off this week. I think that's very important. And I'm, I, I was very clear with the team that I'm taking a real week off. This yeah. isn't, I'll be online less than normal, but generally around. I'm actually, it's as if I'm away. I'm not, because nobody is. I'm here. But it is as though I'm away. Because firstly, that's important for me to stress the team that that's what I think they should be doing. Mm-hmm by example on that front yeah yeah but equally it's because i think i needed it and i don't think i realized how much i needed it until after the weekend because easter weekend we're recording this just after easter and easter weekend was a long weekend and that's kind of i always a long weekend i kind of this feels right but then it came to tuesday and i wasn't working and i felt completely exhausted i just had the time to breathe out and i think it had hit me that three months into a new job and lots of stuff going on in kind of you know an exciting company learning stuff getting to know new people delivering new stuff lots of exciting projects and then the sudden hit of right this your team suddenly has to be a remote team from tomorrow this is the big this is the big thing isn't it is that however tech savvy and tech enabled our companies are they were not designed to work 100% remotely so we we haven't got it's the processes it's well rather than the technical processes it's the human processes you know how we manage things how we get things organized how we manage uh, day-to-day interactions so it's that's a big shift and that's what we've we've certainly found how how you measure things is that that thing that you mentioned dan is is um i'm going to take that one the, the temperature reading you know it's really difficult. It's almost impossible to take a temperature reading of a whole team remotely. It is. You don't get tone of voice on Slack. Exactly. And I, everybody communicates differently. And this is something I've talked about in other episodes. You know, this idea that as a manager, you communicate with everybody differently. And some people on Slack are very short. And it's not because there's anything wrong. It's just because they write very short matter of fact sentences. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ask if something is okay, they'll just go, yes, that's just how they do it. But you'd know normally, actually, that's just them. But now you don't know the difference between are they slightly upset or are they not? There's no tone of voice, no nothing else. I think not everybody's comfortable on video. That's another thing as well. Yeah, which has been weird because I've been running these virtual roundtables. Essentially, it's just people jumping on a video call and it's very informal, just networking events, essentially. Um, But I've been surprised that even though it's specifically a video roundtable, I've still had probably 20% of people arrive not on video. Do you think they're Uh, still in the pyjamas? I think that might, I think genuinely that might be part of it, but I sort of think who cares, really? It's not a formal event. It's not, you're not um, on a, a board meeting. And people, you know, when people do turn up in a in a hoodie or something like that, that's totally fine. Although I turn up to the office every day in a hoodie. It's my standard outfit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've got I a think... Harry Potter hoodie on today. I noticed that. I noticed mm-hmm. that. I've got um I've got a Ravenclaw scarf upstairs. But oh, not is that a... your house? Yes. Yeah. I've done that test about five times now. Keep trying to get Gryffindor, but I'm I'm still a Ravenclaw. I'm afraid you actually want Gryffindor. I think Gryffindor's a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah, maybe a little bit, a little bit mainstream. I actually I bought this. 
in Edinburgh. I was there before Christmas and in the Christmas market, for no particularly good reason, there was a Harry Potter store, an enormous Harry Potter store. And I was holding the bags because my friend and her daughter had gone on the little train. The Edinburgh Christmas markets are enormous. They've gone on the little train. And I got bored in the like three minutes it took the train to go around. So I ended up spending 45 quid on an official Harry Potter hoodie. But it's, it's, there you go. It's paying you dividends now. Well, exactly. It looks lovely. I, 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 I don't know if you, if, if you saw, Dan, we do get this new video. The, the benefit of video conferencing is, you know, seeing into people's studies. And, and in, yeah. you know, and seeing what they've got behind them, and some some are very well sort of planned out, and people have got the you know they've got the Obama book visible, and they've got the, you know made sure that all the intellectual stuff's there. Um, in in my study, I've got a, just a pile of Harry Potter merchandise. I yeah, this I to one side of me there is a five foot high display cabinet full of a complete collection of model Daleks, and on the other side of me I've got a teddy bear, a big crystal and a working version of the puzzle box from the Hellraiser films. When I say working, I mean it opens and twists. It doesn't actually raise demons, <laughs> thankfully. Although, be handy with the housework, because you can't have cleaners in at the moment. The demons do housework? I can't think why they wouldn't, you know? They've got to spend all the rest of eternity in the house, right? That's true. I mean, but do you think demons are particularly concerned about cleanliness and dust? Actually, no, they probably thrive in a dusty environment, don't they? Yeah, you probably need you need a different sort of uh, of demon for that one. Yeah. And angels, they wouldn't be very good at cleaning because you get feathers everywhere. <laughs> I do like this, though, you know, it, being able to see that other side of people. It's it's quite nice in, in my job, for sure, because being able to react with, interact with people on a human level is really what our, our goal is, you know, as, as sales professionals, that's what you're always trying to do really is. So being able to see that, you know, what they're actually like, see the pictures up and stuff. It, it's not, it's not a surveillance job. It's just a nice icebreaker as much as anything. I once read a book about people's stuff. I really can't remember what it was called. And it was about how you, how much you can tell about somebody about the clutter they have in their house. Yeah. And by looking at somebody's room, you can tell quite a lot about them. But what's interesting is that it's never really been a workspace. Mm-hmm. It has of a Friday, but of a Friday when I'm working from home, I do the occasional video call. But right now, this is where I come to to work. Yeah. And it's, it's changed the nature of, of the space a bit for me because yeah. this is I, I leave here at six o'clock. And I go out to the rest of the house and I don't come back in here of an evening. Whereas if I've been at work, I might come in here to do something else. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, Dan, how you find in that, you know, the, the standard copy and paste working from home tips. Have they been, have they been of any, of any use for you? I think I'm applying the stuff such as having a routine and finishing at the end of the day and all that stuff. I'm applying that more rigorously because it's full time. When yep. it's one day a week, I, I do tend to just grab something to eat and I might eat at my desk and read a document or something while I'm eating some soup at my desk. I'm not doing that now. I'm deliberately booking out lunchtime to mm-hmm. do something else. I'm actually having quite a lot of video lunches with friends who are doing the right. same thing. So just jump on video with a sandwich or something and just chat for half an hour or whatever. The rules, I think, are good if you've never worked at home before and this is completely alien to you. But the other thing I have to acknowledge is I'm quite lucky here. I've got a study to go to. 
mm-hmm. I can shut the door on it at night and go to the rest of the house. I mean, there's, there's people I know who are working in their bedroom in a shared house with the laptop balanced on their open underwear drawer and they're sitting on the bed next to it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all very well to say, have a routine, move away from your workspace at the end of the day. And like, well, what do you do if, if your bed is your workspace? That's your route. Where are you going to go? I think those those kind of plans, though, they're, they're useful, like you say, if you've never done it before. And also, you, you've got to think they've been made by people who have chosen to work from home because prior to this, no one is working from home who didn't already sign up for that, right? Mm, yeah. And I actually think those rules, I'm not sure they, they apply as universally as, as we make out um, because I have a study upstairs that is my usual when I did things occasionally from home, that's where I tended to sort of park myself. Now I'm not doing that. I'm on my dining room table out of choice because it's brighter and I've can, uh, my wife will sit opposite me. So I've, I've got some human interaction and it feels a little bit more normal. And that would go contrary to the have a separate space away from things. But I've, I've trialed both. And for me, this definitely works better. Yeah, I, I, I'm conscious of other things such as, you know, say, keep normal working hours. Okay, great. But for some people, especially in tech companies with flexible working, normal working hours start mid-morning and run through to mid-evening. Yeah. So if somebody wants to, during this period, get up at 12, start work at 1 and work through until late, as long as they're around for stand-ups and around for meetings and have enough overlap with the rest of the team. I'm not sure now is the time to be being too harsh on people's flexibility. Yeah, especially when you think that people have got that that added pressure of looking after children as well, which yeah. sounds almost impossible to me, to be honest, but there's people in my team who are, you know, managing yeah, I mean, there's people in my team who have the kids at home and they simply can't do a full day's work. With yeah. the best will in the world, they can't. And what are you going to do at the moment? You know, I've, I've heard some people saying you have to keep your foot on the gas, you have to keep going, this time is an opportunity. And I feel like there's a bit too much pressure. And I see it on LinkedIn quite a lot. I'm actually having pretty much a break from LinkedIn this way because of well as a week off work. I see people go, oh, people at the moment, if you're tough, you'll just carry on. You'll carry on through this. And I think, well, okay, but it's fine if actually this whole situation is affecting you a bit. It's fine if you're a bit shorter, if you're a bit quieter, if you're a bit whatever. To me, it feels like the whole of society has a base level of headspace full of what's going on in the world. So all our normal every day you know for me that might be anxiety it might be depression that may be different things for you it'd be different things for other people is stacking on top of something that's already there for everyone yeah are you coping okay in terms of mental health with being at home all the time yeah i think so i think i think generally speaking i'm i'm quite lucky in that regard anyway and i've had there's people in my uh, in my family and um I've been very close with friends who've, who've suffered a lot with, with various mental health problems. So I've been fairly close to it. And it's something that for a long time I've, I've sort of worked on, to be honest. 
to make sure that I, I sort of control those things as, as well as possible. But I just always focus on it. And it, I, I almost feel it's easy for me to say because I don't suffer from anxiety, for example. I don't suffer from depression. But just trying to focus on the things that are within my control and leave the things that are outside of my control, outside of my control, that's that's a mantra that I've kind of stuck by for a long time. It definitely helps me in these kind of situations. The way I've described anxiety in the past is it's not connected to anything. It's a thing that just starts. The thoughts start, the anxious thoughts start, they start to build and they can come from anywhere. Right. But then they latch on to whatever is around. Yeah. And right now, the base level of anxiety with coronavirus, and I'm not for reasons of, because I know a lot of people listening to this do suffer with anxiety. I'm not going to reel off a list of the things about coronavirus that can make us anxious because nobody needs that. And so you have these worries, these concerns. So I'm finding at the moment they can latch on to the most trivial of things. Sure. I mean, okay, I don't get, did I go out and leave the iron on because I never go out? Did I shut the door before I went to bed? And to people who don't suffer with anxiety, they might say, of course I did. Or they might go and check it and say, I've been and checked the door. It is locked. Fine, I'll go to sleep. But if you suffer from anxiety in the way I do, going and checking it wouldn't be sufficient. Because you come back and go, oh, well, maybe I had locked the door, but in checking it, I've now opened it. So I need to go and check again to make sure I haven't opened it. And what do you do then? You know, yeah. you've kind of got this. I mean, what I do is my, one of my coping mechanisms for that. I'm not sure if it's a good one or not. is to take photos. I take a photo on my phone of the door shut or the switch for whatever off. Mm-hmm. So I can go, right. I have a photo of the door closed. I have a photo of the switch and it is off. And that, that kind of soothes it. For me, it's getting easier as time goes on. Having this week away from work, even though I work in a great place, it's not what I would call particularly stressful. It's a management job, so it has a lot going on and a lot to think about. The environment I'm in now is actually a great environment for mental health. I have worked in places where I couldn't cope in terms of, of mental health, and so I left, which is the right thing to do. But in those cases, I now look back and genuinely think that was the environment, not me. Any management job comes with being responsible for other people's careers, being responsible for other people's welfare, being responsible for other people's work and wanting to for them to be okay through this. It's the largest part of my job. I see my job now is to make the team okay through this. And sometimes it's hard to carve out the time to check I'm okay through this. Yeah, of course. I guess that's that's probably a, a concern with any management job any of the time but it's just multiplied now right it must be exaggerated now because you're so much more focused on making sure other people are okay and you don't have that that temperature gauge exactly and some people are fine to not be particularly communicative yeah they're just fine to turn up to stand-ups and video meetings and team meetings and they get on with stuff and it's all fine and they're not suppressing anything. They're not hiding anything. They're just genuinely happy. It's generally fine for them. You know, people who in the actual use of the word are probably introverts were actually they're quite happy not to see people at all from one day to the next. And, you know, if I say, hello, how are you? They'll be thinking, what do you want? Like, no, yeah. I just want to check how you are. 
oh, I'm fine. You know, it didn't even occur to them that that's a thing that you would want to check in. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I spend all day, every day, Dan, speaking to different business leaders in a massive range of different different organisations. And the it's funny how different the approach has been because I think in, in our situations, we're fairly lucky because if things in the business are basically all right, there's time and there's mental capacity to make sure that people are doing all right in it. But there's other organisations that, that, you know, people I speak to who they are real, you know, they're really up against it. There doesn't seem to be the say, mental bandwidth to make sure or how is everybody doing because they need to make sure the lights are staying on. That's a difficult one because at the moment, what do you do if you have to make a choice between people's welfare or your business? Which you choose? Now, I think I would always choose people's welfare, but I say that not being in that position. And it's not one or the other either, of course, because what is better for the medium to long term of that person's welfare? Well, they need to have a job to come back to, right? Mm. So we, it's not as simple as saying these things are balanced against each other. They, they, you know, they can be aligned and trying to trying to get towards a, a more stable business may actually help people's people's long-term mental health, even though in the short term it, it might cause it, you know, there might be a few oversights. One thing I've noticed myself doing is everybody's still accountable for the work and for their own productivity and for getting stuff done. And we've still got a roadmap that needs to deliver and all those things are rolling on. But I'm not as now doesn't feel like the time to pile pressure on people. Not that I ever really pile pressure on people anyway. I think it's never a good time to pile on pressure. But right now doesn't feel like the time to make people go that little bit faster. Interesting. Doesn't, doesn't feel like the time to, I shouldn't say make them go faster. I should say enable them to go faster. Cause it's, you know, but right now for me, it's about, are we delivering what we need to deliver as a business? Yes. Is everybody okay? Yes. If we tick those two boxes, part of the thing that people are accountable for is continuous improvement. So we're going to get a bit naturally faster, but I now wouldn't feel like the time to make any step changes in the team. But who knows how long this is going on? It, I, for me, this we're recording this kind of middle of April. The government are reviewing the lockdown in a few days, probably before this is released. There is no way that you know I will eat my hat if the lockdown ends this week. Yeah. And it feels the handling of that is different for the length of time it goes on. One thing I've been very conscious of doing is not putting anything off. I've not said, oh, we'll do that when we get back to the office. Yeah. Which has meant that we've been through uh, annual performance reviews remotely. We'll be going through annual salary reviews remotely. And that's something that I would never do if there were an option not to. Yeah, of course. I think I think it becomes more difficult though, Dan, where, because you, you said two things there. You said, the first question is, are we doing what we need to do? Yes. And then the second thing is, is everybody okay? Yes. It's more difficult for businesses where, are we doing what we need to do? And the answer is, no, we're not. And there's obviously a lot of organizations, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this, who will be in that boat. And it's largely out of their control it's business's responsibility to try and grasp as much control as they can. That's from the people I've spoken to. That's where I'm seeing the, those gaps come. And how are you finding with, with your wife, you're both 
Does she normally work at home or is this new for she, her? She does two to three days a week anyway. Okay. Um, so it's nothing new for her. She just changed what she, and, and the whole business is like that. She's a solicitor. So they're, they're all geared up for that already. So she's already used to that whole mechanism. And I guess you're already used to being at home together. Cause the other thing some of my team have encountered is they're not usually at home with the partner working all day. Yeah, of course. And it's, it, you know, that is something that you need to work on, but we've been able to do that previously. Just being open to things like people will be on calls. And I do get a lot of, you're so loud when you're on the phone <laughs> and then, you know, things like that. But, you know, you just work, you just work around it. It's not really any different to being sat opposite someone in an open plan office who's, you know, doing something totally different to it you. Is. I mean, the one thing with me and my partner, we don't really talk about work that much. Sure. Ever. So it still does feel like switching off at the end mm. of the day. We kind of meet in the kitchen for dinner at half past six or whatever. We haven't seen each other since the morning because we have separate studies. And so it really does feel like finishing work for the day. Yeah. I mean, I've tried that. It doesn't, it doesn't, work, for, it doesn't work for me. Too much of a social butterfly. Being able to just say, do you want a brew? has been a massive benefit. And, and to be honest, that may be why I've not been struggling too much. I mean, I really do feel for people that are at home on their own or in a shared yeah. house where they don't really get on with the housemates. Yeah, that must be a nightmare. It must be very difficult. Although I know some people are at home on their own who are loving it. They're loving their own space. They're loving not having to go to talk to other people. But that, that's just not me. I think my journey mental health through this period has been, it started off okay because, frankly, it was kind of exciting. It was scary but kind of exciting. There was a lot to do. You have to make sure everybody who... Everybody who wanted to take some work equipment home with them had signed that out and you were doing all that and you were getting everybody set up and ready to go. And then the first week you'd run through your normal weekly scrum ceremonies and whatever and it all remote and it was kind of exciting because you say you're seeing people's houses for the first time and you can't help but go, oh, you've got a nice kitchen. You know, that kind of stuff. You've got a nice Dalek collection. But about a week and a half in... I was actually here in the house on my own because my other half was still in London at that point. We hadn't, we, we ended up both here before the government lockdown came in. Yeah. But we were actually in, in separate places in the period when I was working from home before the government rules came in. I was on my own in the house one night and I finished work and I just suddenly became incredibly lonely. Yeah. And it really hit me. It was about eight days in and I actually thought to myself I was sitting there and even I wasn't hungry I didn't have anything to eat I was just sitting there staring out the window thinking I can't do this you know I, I there's no way I'm going to be able to do this for months it, it's yeah. just not going to work for me and I actually did consider oh I'm still in my probation period I could just quit my job and not have a job not have to worry about anything wow I didn't yeah ser- serious thought though like that's a you know that's a massive step isn't it yeah it is and it would have been a stupid one. Right. It doesn't stop you thinking, actually, I don't think I can, you know, I, I don't think I can do this as well as I need to. And fortunately, that's now passed. But I'm so glad I've got this week off. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I could, I don't think I could continue the pace without a break. And that's, but that's true anyway. I'd had the first three months into the job. I had a week planned when we were supposed to be in Paris at the beginning of April. That obviously didn't happen. I think if I'd done three months straight without a single day off in any job, I'd need a break. 
hundred percent. And this is obviously a, a more intense situation, Dan. You know, it's not surprising you want a break. So, in kind of wrapping up, you were saying that the the working from home tips don't work for everyone. What are some things that do work for you that haven't featured on the lists? Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Well, I think personally, this idea of lock yourself away in somewhere that is totally separate to what you do every day. I haven't found, I found doing the exact opposite has helped. Um, And what I make sure that the laptop goes away at the end of the work day and things like that. But being in, in my, my dining room and, you know, with, like I say, sat, sat opposite my wife has worked much better for me than, than being in the, in the study upstairs. Right. Yeah. I think for me, don't always get up, showered and dressed and have breakfast before I start work. And that's one that yeah. like, oh, you should do that before you start work. And I think, well, why? Because sometimes it's quite nice to wander through here. Obviously, don't do video calls at that point, but wander through here and just see what's happened overnight. Because I am pretty disciplined when I finish work for the day. I'm off mm-hmm. and I come in and say, well, what, what, what's happened? What's happened overnight? Generally, not a lot. You know, we're, we're fortunate in that we don't have customer alarms going off all night and stuff. It's generally pretty stable. But just thinking, right, what does the day look like? And start to think about the day and then let that percolate and then take a break to go and get ready and whatever and then come back for nine o'clock, which is usually when I do the first first meetings of the day. Yeah, and, and thinking about it, Dan, I do the same. I, I found making sure I get up and have a shower first thing, I have to do that. And making sure I'm... I'm dressed in something that's at least slightly formal helps me for sure but I do exactly what you do I turn on my laptop first so I've, I've had my shower and before I'm sat down for work in inverted commas I've turned on the laptop I've checked the emails made sure there's nothing urgent and then it allows me to sort of settle myself whilst I eat my breakfast and stuff um yeah which definitely that's definitely not in the work tips is it check your emails as soon as you wake up have half an hour to have your breakfast and then get back on it. No, I mean, I think for me, the message is that it's very easy to say what works for you as an individual, but the only way to know what's going to work for you as an individual through this period is to try stuff and be honest about what's working and what isn't. Mm. And how do you, how do you see that the future being done? Once, once this has all got back to normal, companies can work wherever they want. Do you see there being a big shift towards more home working, more remote working? It's a very interesting question. And I can already see the seeds in some people I know and some people I work with of people starting to think, oh, I kind of like this. And, And I've actually thought to myself, could I do two days a week at home? Because there's aspects of this I'm enjoying. I'm not enjoying the constant barrage of news with the running total of how many people are ill and whatever. I'm not enjoying that. I am enjoying having dinner with my partner every night. I'm enjoying a different way of eating because normally I grab the stuff for that night from the supermarket on the way home and I cook it. Whereas now we're doing shopping once a week and we've got the fridge full and it's a case of, right, what's in date for today? Okay, I'll make something with that and that and that. And it's kind of cool. I'm enjoying, I'll be honest with you, I'm really enjoying the excuse to say no to social events because usually that's a bugbear of mine that I get invited to lots and I have to make excuses to say no. I don't know. For me personally, 
I don't think I could go completely remote, but I could certainly do more than one day a week at home. In terms yeah. of businesses, it's an interesting one. And I, I suspect there will be a lot more requests for remote working. I suspect a lot of people will have got used to this and think, actually, this works for me. But I think there is going to be a huge number of people missing the human contact. And as soon as this is over, they will be back in the office as soon as possible. And they will be spend, they will be having coffee breaks with people. They'll be having lunch with people. They will be catching up with people. Because I think that most people have some requirement for that human contact. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's opened people's eyes to, it's not a, it's not really a perk being, you know, working from home. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Oh yeah. And I have friends and, and some family who don't do the same kind of job as me and they see working from home as, oh yeah, you, you know, I bet you're not really doing anything or yeah. how's working from home? Have you been sitting staring out the window all day? And I think, no, I've actually been doing a full day's work of my job. I've been doing everything I would do in the office. And we found that in um, there's, there's a building uh, where we have the flat in London. And my partner works from home full time. And the expectation from some of the residents there who are retired or don't work or whatever, that if somebody's working from home, oh, you'll be available for a chat or you'll be available to help me with this thing. And just to go, no, I'm, I'm working from home. Work work is a key part of this. I'm not just at home. I'm actually busy. Yeah, trying to explain that to my grandma this week has been fantastic. She said, are you, are you, are you, are you, are you off? Said, no, we're working from home, Gran. Said, oh, and this is two o'clock in the afternoon, so I'm trying to rush her off the phone because, you know, I'm working. So that, oh right, right. But it's good that you're at home, though. It's nice that nice that you don't have to go in. <laughs> not not really, Grant. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's she's ninety two, so I think she gets a free pass on that. I mean, I've worked in companies even relatively recently where working from home is not a thing, and seeing people at the desks is what counts. Yeah, and I think that's the th- that's the thing that I think is going to be tricky when things go back to normal. How do when companies get the request to work from home? How are they going to respond? Uh, it's going to be tricky. And also, there'll definitely be, because I've spoke to some CEOs for sure who've thought, we can have a massive office reduction here. There's a massive cost-saving element. So rather than our big city centre office, we can reduce that by half. And I'm sure there'll be people who take it up, and that will have a big, a big dynamic change. It will. I think... For me, a kind of final thought from me on companies is employees and clients will judge companies on how they cope with this. Yeah. Long after this is over and we're all back to normal, people won't forget how did my company treat me when we were all having this difficult period and we were all working from home. What did they do? Did they pile on more pressure? And I've heard stories of tech companies using the fact that people are at home to kind of suggest to them that they could do slightly longer hours. And, well, you're not doing anything else of a Sunday, so you may as well log on and do some work. People increasing the resources given to their CICD pipelines because there's more people working of an evening. So shouldn't we add more worker threads so that we can cope with those commits? And I think turn it off at six o'clock so that people can't commit. Yeah. 
I think that's where the the new world and the old world can sort of haven't quite lined up yet, though, right? They have, and I think we'll come out of this. And I think a lot of people, not many people, are looking for new jobs now. I mean, where I am, we're still hiring a couple of positions. Candidate flow is slow, to be honest. Yeah. It's not many people are looking at the moment because they don't want the uncertainty of a new job. But as soon as this is over, anybody who's been badly treated or feels like they were put under too much pressure or they weren't given allowance for, I need to look after my family, and feels they weren't treated as a person through this, yeah. will be looking to companies who have treated people better and will be jumping ship. Yeah, I think that's possible. I think there is also the, the distinct possibility that a lot of things go back to normal. Oh, well, there is that, isn't we there? Can, we can, I think these things can often be overstated. And, you know, when we're in the middle of it, it feels like this is massive, this is huge, this is going to change things forever. And it may well not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll wait and see. I'm hoping that there's some positive lessons come out of it. Well, we need to wrap up, unfortunately. that's It's been great talking with you. I mean, for me, hasn't it been lovely looking for a positive in all this to have a month or two when people haven't been arguing about Brexit? Yeah, that's been great. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. And um, stay safe. Yeah, you too. And uh, appreciate you uh, you inviting me on. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Cheers. Mm-hmm.